Iowa everywhere. Success in farming is all about precision and efficiency. Ensuring every seed, every drop of water, every nutrient and treatment counts. TerraPlex Ag is helping farmers all over Iowa and the Midwest do just that. With precision ag-grown technology and support from TerraPlex, you'll boost your productivity and make timely and informed decisions, all while reducing your costs and increasing your profits. It's time to revolutionize your farming. Harvest the benefits with TerraPlex Ag. Visit TerraPlexAg.com. Good Tuesday morning to everyone listening or afternoon if you're listening to this in podcast form in the afternoon. Um, just know that a sincere thank you and I love you from me goes out to you for making time for us. I am Adam Patterson, joined in the Channel Seed Studios by the delicious Jordan Bohannon. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, brother. How you doing? fantastic um i was telling you before we recorded that i have made the strongest pot of coffee ever in my life so i'm jacked up on that it tastes half gross but i'll survive is it weird i i stick with my iced coffee during the winters no i love uh i'm not gonna lie i've spent my whole life trashing iced coffee and calling it foo-foo coffees and drinks but i must say not long ago i tried a uh cold brew which is basically just regular coffee but cold had a little like of the flavored cream on top so you get some of that while you're sipping it uh i loved it it was delicious see that's what i drink i drink cold brew i don't know what the difference between iced coffee and cold brew is but it's probably the same thing i think cold brew has more caffeine in it okay i don't know with it we're going with it it gets me off the walls though that's for sure well, that's what we love to hear. More energy means better content and more people listen, hopefully. Yep. Yes, sir. So how was your weekend, pal? Do anything exciting? Um, it would have been better if Iowa got that win. Um, yep. That was tough. Yeah. But it was good. You know, ready for finally the winner. I feel like we made the turn. Right when I'm going to say this, it's going to get to negative 50. I'm, not, again, I'm currently knocking on wood as you talk. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. But I feel like we made the turn this weekend, hopefully, <laughs> that <clears throat> Sunday into Monday, is it's looking a little better. Oh, it's, getting, it's getting lighter out. Around, I was, it was 5.45 I was driving yesterday, and the, the sun was still a little bit up. Oh, yeah, baby. Gets me happy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I did chores and worked on the farm yesterday and just jeans and a t-shirt with a hoodie over it and my warm mittens on. And I was completely fine. It was like, I don't know, 34 degrees, but I was just warm as could be. That was amazing. Probably because going from negative 40 to like 32 feels like it's like 80 out, but it felt great. Um, Well, since we're talking about that, why don't we hop into our ag minute um, sponsored by Terraplex ag. And also they're just a beautiful sponsor of this podcast. We love them. You should check them out. They feature drone technology to increase your farming uh, precision uh, farming operation with more precision. Uh, You can get good aerial views of your field. You can put on foliar applications with their drones, making your life easier. Don't have to rent a Haggy or a high boy or something. Not saying that those aren't good options also, but Terraplex is awesome. You should check them out and let them tell you how they can revolutionize your farming operation with their drone technology. All right. The Ag Minute. 
about a week ago, I had back-to-back mornings with a nice little surprise on the farm. It wasn't so nice, actually. I had two calves back-to-back mornings in negative 40-degree temperatures. Not happy about it. They're not supposed to come till the end of March at the earliest. I have my bulls scheduled to, like, the calves start coming in early April. I don't know what happened. One must, like, these cows must have slipped their calves somehow and got rebred in, like, spring to have their calf in winter. So I go, I don't know, 8 o'clock, I get to the farm. There's a calf laying out there, like, shivering to death. Mom's licking it off, but, like, all the placenta and goo that's on it is, like, freezing to it. So mom's trying to, like, furiously lick it off and keep it warm. So I get it into the barn and I'm like covering it with cornstalk bales and hay bales. And I'm like rubbing its ears and rubbing its body, trying to keep it warm. My dad went uh, down the road about eight miles to a store um, and bought a warming tub, which was an unexpected expense, but that's what you got to do to keep them alive. It looks like a grill for like baby calves. You set it on there. It looks like you're going to cook it basically. And then you close the lid over it. And you can plug it in, and then it can warm up to like 65, 70 degrees. Had to use that back-to-back mornings. Saved both calves. Now they're running around, happy as can be, and uh, it worked. But that was not a fun surprise in the morning. You don't like to have calves in winter, let alone the coldest part of winter, negative 40. I have so many questions. <laughs> it was a, it was wild, and I honestly was in bad moods both those days. But they're they're now alive. How do you know, one, how do you know when, a, this is going to sound so crazy and stupid. <laughs> how do you know when a cow is, one, there's a baby coming, mm-hmm. two, what's the timeline on how long a, a cow is? is mm-hmm. Nine months, like a human, 40, 40 weeks, whatever it is. So normally... Since like end of March is when like the first ones will start having calves when March 1st rolls around. So normally out we feed them in, out in the field all winter long with silage and corn stalks and hay and stuff mixed together. And we have some bunks out there. We take the feeder wagon out, dump feed and cows just eat out there all winter long, graze in the field and hang out. It's a great time. March 1st rolls around. We start feeding them cracked corn or shell or it's yeah, you put corn in a feed grinder, breaks it all up. Cows love it. It's like cocaine to them. And we dump it in bunks that we have up by the farm, and then I'll start. So we get them used to coming up there, and then around like March 10th while they're eating, I'll go in and start walking behind them. And you have to look at the area that the baby comes out of, the lady part, um, and it'll be the like vagina. Yeah, you gotta you gotta look at the vagina. I just um, had to make I just had to make sure. <laughs> and it'll be um, like really loose. And like kind of floppy and they might have a little like discharge hanging out of them. And you know, like, all right, they're going to be getting close. So those ones, I got a can of spray paint. I'll spray paint a mark on the backs of those. And then when they're done eating, we'll sort those ones off. Let the rest go back out to the field. Keep those up in an area um, where we have the calving shed and a chute if we need to pull them with the vet. And we'll just feed them there. And then the close ones will hopefully 90% of the time have their calves up in the building and it's nice and warm and we can take care of them. And that's the process until they're all done. And you're always going to have some that you thought weren't close. And then they had one out in the field and they actually were close. Then you got to go out with a four wheeler and a sled that we have, put them in the sled, pull them up to the farm. The mom will just follow behind 
like super like nervously attentively like bellowing all the way up there and you pull them up to the barn and they follow them right into the cabin shed pull them with the four-wheeler wow <clears throat> i can't it's believe a it's process. so it's nine months it's the same as a human uh-huh wow yes sir so yeah Mar uh april and may are crazy that's usually when you know out of the hundred and some we have 85 of them are born and then so it's some chaotic days where you think i'm going to do something else on the farm today and then your whole day uh, is derailed because you have to take care of calves all day but that's how it goes that's the life of a cow calf farmer do you have like a certain one and two cows that are gonna breed like is that what you're looking for every single year well it's the same like hundred and some that have a calf every year wait what do you mean <laughs> so so we breed them all we have like we have five bulls that will breed them all in the summer they'll have their calves in the spring and then once they have their calf and then we move them up to a pasture and my dad's where they hang out and then they're all up there just chilling out for the summer and then we turn the bulls back out with them and wait okay you're saying bulls and what's are we oh, talking about boat yeah the male the male that knocks them up oh it's they're called bulls they're called bulls yep i did not know that yeah so uh when a boy calf is born, it is a bull calf until you cut its nuts off when you castrate it, then it becomes a steer. So, so we're not talking about cows. So then the cow is is the full grown female that gets bred oh, by the bull. Oh, yep. Okay. So consider Gordy as the bull and your mom as the cow. All right. That's not <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so after they have their calf, they go out to pasture and hang out. And then uh, in the summer, we put a bull out with them. They get rebred and you do it all over and you get anywhere from 10 to 14 calves out of the same cow. You just keep rebreeding them. Same cows having calves over and over and over again. And that's how it goes until you decide to retire. How do you go about the, the deed? How do you get it done to make sure it happens? Uh, well, you turn the bull out with them, and then, I mean, you're pretty positive they're going to be good to go because you'll get them semen checked. You can take them to the vet, and the vet will uh, – it's a it's a weird process. He'll put something in their butt that gets things vibrating and excited, and they'll ejaculate into a cup. <laughs> and uh, and All uh, they need is something up their butt? <laughs> he sticks it way down in there, and it gets the prostate flying and happy and excited. <sighs> And then they'll ejaculate into a cup and the vet can semen test them to make sure their swimmers are good. So, you know, they're going to get bred and inevitably you're always going to have a few that don't. And uh, it might just be their time to get rid of them because they're past their prime and they're not going to get bred anymore. But that's how it goes. Some people will artificially inseminate their cows where you buy semen from someone. Someone will sell semen as like their that's what they do. They raise bulls and sell semen. You'll buy semen and someone who knows what they're doing and how, and will come out and it's like a three-step process of um, injecting the semen into the cow and you can do it that way. Then you can kind of time it out in a more, I want to have everything in like a 20-day period so you can inseminate them to all calve then. I just let the bulls do the work. So my calving period usually is like four months. Majority of it happens in two months, but over like four or five months usually. I just burped right in the mic. I'm sorry. So is there uh <laughs> there's just you so many come, You gotta there's... come spend a couple of days on the farm with me during calving season. <laughs> is there like a black market for bull semen? Basically? Uh, well, I mean 
it's not legal. black market, but yeah, it, you no, know there's I mean. like the, yeah, there's places where you go and you literally like buy the semen or there's like f- farmers and ranchers you can look up on various websites that have, they raise a certain kind of bull and then they have the kind of semen that you want, whether you want from an Angus bull or a Hereford bull and, or a Charlet bull, depending on the kind of cow you want, kind of breed you want. Wow. That is fascinating. <laughs> that is yeah, it's just cool. how I was raised. So to me, it's like whatever, but it's, it's confusing to a lot of people that are, aren't in that world. Well, I understand it. It's just like, I didn't expect, I guess I should have expected, but there's a lot of process in science to farming. Yeah. Well, as there should be. Yep. I mean, you guys are feeding the the world, so there better be yeah. science behind it. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. So, yep. Yep. And then, uh, once the calves are about 700 pounds or a little over a year old or they're, uh, what are they like eight, seven months old or something like that? We'll wean them off of their moms and, uh, Moms go back to the other farm where they hang out until they have their calves and you just do it all over again every year. What's the, in your scientific opinion as a farmer, Mm -hmm. what's your opinion on grass fed versus corn fed? Oh, get that grass fed trash out of here. It's not good. I mean, it's okay, but I finish mine. So they have grass and hay and stuff to eat in the pasture all summer long, but we also feed them corn and especially the ones we're fattening up for market and for meat. 100%. You got to finish them on corn. It just tastes so much better. There's more marbling on the meat when you feed them with corn. It's just richer, more tender. Grass-fed stuff, you can tell when you eat it versus corn-fed. It just has like a more of like a grainy taste to it, and it's just not as... It's not as good. Why? Ha- why did it come like out on the market so quickly? What? Why Grass was it? Fed? Yeah. Why was it like oh. a huge, huge thing? Well, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too mean in my opinions, but I think it's just it was just part of the whole like organic movement and grass fed. People think that if a cow's corn fed, that it's uh, like raised in a lot unethically and it's treated like garbage, and so now. When people hear grass fed, they're like, oh, it's out in the pasture and living this frolicking, amazing, beautiful life. And like mine are corn fed and corn finished, but they're also out roaming in hundreds of acres of pasture and corn stalks and field, just doing whatever they want to their heart's desire. Like there's a lot of misconception by people that don't know what they're talking about when it comes to cows. Um, I've gotten... I got yelled at by a girl from California at a wedding once who found out I was a cattle farmer and she told me I was ruining the world. That was fun. Someone (laughs) from California, that checks out. Yeah. I was like, you're drunk. I'm not going to try to have a conversation with you and explain to you why I'm not. So you just take your opinion and let's just fist bump and go our separate ways. So the, so the grass, so the whole grass fed movement, that wasn't like a, a scientifically backed thing. That was just people thought the cows were being, locked up and treated it. Yeah. The way that people associate grass fed versus corn fed is totally like a lot of mindset about how they think the cows are being treated. There are some people that will tell you scientifically the meat's better. I personally think it's way better. Like better, like better tasting or better for you. No, they like health wise. They'll say it has better health benefits if it's grass fed. Why? Because they, I don't know. They'll think less fat and stuff like that. But if you, 
don't overeat like a slob like I like to sometimes. If you eat in moderation, it's got it's better protein dense when it's corn fed, more marbling and fat like it's actually healthy if you just don't go crazy on it like I like to. And it's got better mineral content and I think you know they're the way the body um, doesn't have to work as hard to like stay warm and grow and produce certain minerals because when you give it corn, it's more filling. It doesn't have to work as hard. It's not as skinny and everything. Then I think that, you know, makes your meat quality better too. Cause the cow is just eating and chilling and it's not working its body too hard to keep up with its production and reproduction and stuff. That's interesting. I always thought mm -hmm. like, I guess I never really asked a farmer mm -hmm. in depth with a, is that like a common, like, feeling around farmers in Iowa that it doesn't it shouldn't it doesn't really matter well it does matter but you know what yeah. I'm saying oh I think you're gonna find nine out of ten people will say eat grain fed like grass fed is dumb like Omaha Omaha steaks the biggest like steak uh not producer but seller whatever it's called in the world like they only want grain finished steaks that they sell it's a ton of companies out there that only want grain finished steaks that they sell so i think it's way better but you're not you're some people you just won't be able to convince and that's fine as long as people in the world are eating cattle that's the ultimate goal goal number two finish them on grain why why is it doesn't grass-fed cost more though why why is that wouldn't because people will just because it's just it's all about like the it's all about like your the words you put in like organic grass-fed and all that that those hit those words like that that so many people that don't know what they're talking like don't know don't understand the production of it will see those words and just think oh i gotta buy that that's way better quality that's better this better that i hate the word organic with a passion i'd love to bury it in the ground and never see it again so them putting organic on it is god i'm probably pissing off a lot of our listeners oh well what it's unethical like would you consider it unethical then if they're saying this and it's not like no i think it's e i do think it's easy to manipulate people though that don't educate themselves when they see those hit words like that and and then charge eight dollars for eggs that were organic and free-range chickens versus three bucks for some chickens that were raised in a chicken coop so that's the same concept the chicken but even in the chicken yeah. coop, they're still probably running yeah, and people are like, too. oh, a free-range chicken. I got an egg from a chicken that walked around in a yard. Like, I'm going to pay double for this. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, to be blunt. Yeah. <laughs> no, it makes sense. I've always been curious have, about this. I have harsh opinions on this. We can't tell. Well, no, I, I, I appreciate it because I've always thought about this, of the wording they put on is mm -hmm. so consumer-heavy, trying to attract consumers to the product. Yep. Where they're putting, I feel like they're putting it on for a reason when it's not that much different. Yeah. I truly don't think the health benefits are really different at all. Literally life is all about the moderation you eat in. It's not about, obviously it's about what you eat. Cause if you just eat Skittles in moderation all day, you're going to be horribly unhealthy. But if you're eating meats and vegetables and your proteins and fruits and stuff, organic and all that, save money, don't buy organic and just eat in moderation. And that's coming from someone who's 330. But I have a lot of, I have a buttload of muscle on me too. And I work out like crazy and I consider myself healthy for 330. I mean, I'll run circles around people on a basketball court at 330. Well, except for you, except people who played D1.
<laughs> then you're running circles around me under the hoop, embarrassing me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that was a fun chat, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I like that stuff because I I love yep. meat. Like, I love talking about steaks and because I have yeah. steak all the time, chicken all the time. And mm -hmm. I've my and like when I was in college, I went on like a little health spree when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And I was like heavy on I ate chicken and rice, steak and yep. rice every single meal with broccoli. That's all I ate for like seven months straight when we were in lockdown. Right. And like I got like really slim and like cut, but yep. I wasn't eating. I wasn't deciphering between grass fed and I had this argument with some of my buddies. I was like, I don't feel like it really matters because it's gonna be the same nutritional wise. Yeah, but yeah. You you're eating in moderation. So what matter does it make? Yeah, like the best way, like and I as a cattle farmer, cattle like beef is red meat. Like too much red meat is a bad thing. Like I can totally admit that, and it has way more because of the fat and the marbling in it. There's way more cal. It's way more calorie rich than like chicken. So when you're eating pork and beef. Like you just, as long as you watch your consumption levels and eat in moderation. So even myself, like I have a freezer three feet away from me that I'm looking at full of beef and pork. I, I butcher a whole cow for myself every other year. And then I get a pig from a buddy every single year. But I also will like go in two week spurts where I just eat chicken because I know like you got to have that healthy protein in you too. Like you don't want to go overboard on pork and red meat and, it's just so like I could totally admit like if you just eat beef every single meal, that's not healthy. That's way too much red meat and it's super calorie rich. Yeah. Well, so. also people don't add in the other portion of the plate where you need fruits and vegetables. Yeah, actually, it's just, exactly. It's just the meat. Like that's the meat's one thing, but that's the. Yep. Not the big picture. Yep. And there is I will I will say I know there's health benefits to being a vegetarian or a vegan, but my saying that I live by is. Uh, cows are vegetarians, so you don't have to be. I don't really, I I don't really like that. Are we're gonna get? This is probably the only political thing I'll ever say on live <laughs> ever. But I don't understand the whole concept of you know, the background of people that are vegetarian. I, like, I understand it, okay, yeah. a little bit. But our whole entire like species, we grew up on eating meat. Like yep. we were carnivores, right? Like we were yep. eating animals, going out and hunting for animals. Like that's how our blood is was formed. Like yep. who we are now, right? Yes, sir. So I don't know. I don't really. I personally don't believe in that. I respect it. Like if you don't bother me with that, doesn't 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 matter to me at all. But mm -hmm. I personally don't think there's a benefit. No, I'm with you. And, and I, I respect people who want to do it. Like, so be it. I would never do it. But it's when you get uninformed people with massive um, platforms that use their platform to say why you should be vegetarian and why eating animals is terrible. And they try to start like a national movement to not eat animals. Ooh, that's what gets me fired up. I'm looking at you, Ellen DeGeneres. But I move on. And PETA. Yeah, I, dig I digress. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the ag 20 minutes sponsored by terraplex check them out all right we got some basketball games coming up to preview and then jbo the foremost authority on name image and likeness is going to lay it down for us so let's talk about some basketball first the hawks tomorrow night play against the maryland terrapins who i know you loved playing against buddy some of your best games ever maybe 
maybe your two best games were just destroying Maryland, either in Carver or at their place. Um, what are you looking at as the Hawks get ready to play Maryland tomorrow night? I wish it was that Maryland. I'm telling you what, that that gym, I don't know what is it. That is like the best shooting gym of all time. I don't really? know how many threes I ended up ending shooting or making there, but I just know like whenever I felt I was in that gym, it was like the greatest feeling in the world. And basketball mm-hmm. like became in synced with my whole <laughs> like mission as a human. But um, no, another big game. I mean, we look at where they're at. I mean, three and four in conference, they're right there. They get to four and four. I mean, you look at, they would beat Purdue. Purdue would have slid to three and three in conference. I know, crazy. Just, just insane to think about. <laughs> Number two team in the country yep. being a middle of the pack team in a conference. And I would argue a conference that isn't as great as past years either, too. Mm-hmm. But For sure. I think that, like we talked about last week and um, and all over the weekend, Adam, this stretch is huge. We go Maryland, Michigan, Indiana within the next, you know, six seven days, um, and we're traveling to Michigan, Indiana after this, after this Maryland game. So a yep. lot of opportunity, um, quick turnarounds. But this is what the stretch of the season is all about, where we can break free from. Are we going to be uh, above 500 team in the Big Ten? Or are we going to be below 500 team in the Big Ten? And this is this stretch right here. The next three games are going to decide that. Yes, sir. Yep. And uh, I haven't really seen any updates on social media. I've been looking, but Laggy and Pat are game time decisions. Obviously, that's going to hurt the depth a little. And you know my love for Laggy with his little plays on defense and rebounding. Um, so I hope you can play, but at the same time, it is a home game. If they both need more rest, I do think my prediction is that I do think the Hawks can win somewhat comfortably without them. And it'd be nice to get them more rest. But I say that cautiously because Maryland lost by 14 at Purdue and they lost by nine at Illinois that's kind of respectable for both of them, but every other conference loss has been either two, three, or four points for them. So they've been playing people close. They are ranked 43rd nationally in defense. But when you look at every other category, man, it really like favors the Hawks big time. And I just, I don't know. I could, I could see the Hawks winning, you know, by double digits. Maybe it's not to the point where everyone's coming off the end of the bench, but I could see them, you know, it's around 10 points with a minute and a half to go. They miss a shot. Iowa makes one. Then we kind of cruise to a 13-point, 14-point victory. But we'll see. So I, I hope Laggy and them can come back soon. But if they need the extra rest, I do think this is a game Iowa can win without them. Maryland's a good team. I mean, I wouldn't <clears throat> look past these guys at all. I know Fran's yeah. team isn't going to. But, I mean, they, they, they've beaten Penn State. Penn State's pretty solid this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've played some really good teams. They played Indiana early in the year. They beat UCLA. Um, you know, Purdue was a 14-point game. Minnesota, they lost by three. You know, Illinois was was under 10. Michigan, they beat Michigan already. Yep. Western, they lost by three. Michigan State, they've lost by two um, this last past game. And Michigan State, in my opinion, is going to be uh, – they could be a Final Four team. And oh, I'm yeah, buddy. Crazy, oh, but yeah. Just with the talent they have, they have the opportunity to do that. Yep. But Maryland's a great team. I, I don't I don't think I hope none of the guys in the locker room are gonna look past them because they have a lot of solid players as they always do. Um they always find a find a lot of great East Coast talent. Um, but like I said, this is gonna be a big game on making that separation in the conference play. Yeah, right on. 
Man, can you imagine if uh, Fran didn't go out there and pluck Luca from them, and they had Luca with um, crap? They had that really awesome guard who was playing the same time you and Luca, and then were playing. I can't remember his name. Oh, Cowan. Yeah, there it is. So yeah, there's a lot of East Coast talent out there, and it's it's a lot of it is you know maybe a little under the radar, but they're really good that they get. So it's nice to hear the fan perspective versus the former player perspective. When I say I think the Hawks can win comfortably, and you're like, mm, pump the brakes, buddy. <laughs> well, it's just a, it's just hard to tell in Big Ten games. I mean, you know, as we, as we talked about, Big Ten is just so weird on how the games, especially in late January, the games just don't feel like. If, if I would give opinion on sports betting, don't and no one take my advice and go crazy on me if I'm wrong. But I'm just saying the games in late January are always normally just pounded out. A lot of low scoring games. A lot of you know people are banged up. A lot of people are tired. This is the point of the season it happens where you know there's not a lot of you know you know breakthrough from either team during a game in the Big Ten play. So. Yep. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if this game was a 65-68 type game just because of where it's falling in the season. Um, and it's yep. always like that. Later, Middle February to later February is usually when you start seeing more of that break separation. Um, but this is the this is the hard part of the season where you're, gonna, you're just going to see a lot of games that, you know, Michigan State, Maryland was 61-59 their last game. So um, you, you're going to see a lot of games like that right now this next couple of weeks. Yeah, and spe- and one thing to pay attention to, I mean, we look, we this is what like our key to literally every Iowa game is offensive rebounding. They are 49th in the country uh in offensive rebounds per game. No Dembele, if that happens where he doesn't play, I mean teams almost always rebound over their average when they play Iowa. So that is, you know, with their national defensive rating and where they are nationally in offensive rebounding, those two categories right there are probably why they're keeping a lot of games close and why they could easily keep it close coming down to the wire against Iowa. So hopefully the Hawks hit the glass. Well, we know how big rebounding is after the last game. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, well, let's hope the Hawks get a big win um, tomorrow night in Carver after that. That was an awesome crowd, by the way, Saturday. Hopefully we can keep, keep some big crowds going here as the Hawks go into the, uh, you know, the meat of the big 10 schedule. And then on Saturday, it's a rematch with Michigan. Um, that did not go well the first time we played them. Michigan had their two post players that had career highs in rebounds and points, um, and they just destroyed Iowa down low the last game. Obviously, Iowa has gotten better defensively, I'd say. Owen Freeman is continually improving and getting better in the post on defense, but if he gets in foul trouble, that really that really drops off big time. So, um, but I do think this is a different Hawkeye team than Michigan saw the first time. Obviously I don't think they're going to come in expecting it to be the same and overlook anything, but I do like Iowa's. And I mean, it is a road game, but I do like Iowa's chances here to hopefully, you know, if they just play like how they should that to be right in it and have a chance to win at the end. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a hard part of the season. Like I said, it's so hard to predict who's going to show up, who's not banged up because I guarantee you every, every single person here is banged up on either team coming in. Right. And right. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. It's fun to watch these types of games too. Cause you just, there's just so many variables at play. The guys that are, have twisted ankles, guys that are sick, um, just a lot of things going on at this point in the season. But mm-hmm. I do want to say, I'm happy that, they they had a good showing for the for the Purdue game at Iowa yeah. for 
for Fran. I think that was, you know, I, I know that meant a lot for the McCaffrey family and he deserved yeah, it. Right on. Um, that's, that's really special. Yep. So yeah, a couple exciting games coming up for the Hawks. Um, hopefully, you know, if we can, I suppose if we go, I mean, if we go one and one, we're still gonna be right in the middle of the pack, two and zero, oh, even better. That puts us uh, upper echelon of the big 10 and uh, can keep things rolling. And hopefully Dix can keep his hot shooting going and Tony, you know, kind of being the catalyst and just the defensive, you got Harding and Bowen coming off the bench, you know, the defensive effort from them and the spark plug and the Hawks can just keep on a rolling. I'm positive on, on their trajectory here. Um, if they take care of Maryland, um, they got, they got some tests ahead. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. they can, they can get out of these next three games winning two. Well, that's huge. Yep. Well, speaking of tests, um, we have to talk about the Cyclones here. We don't have to. We get to. Isn't it a pleasure that we get to talk about them on a podcast? Never thought I would say that. <laughs> so Kansas State, the fighting the fighting Frank Martins come to Hilton, uh, Hilton Coliseum tomorrow night for Iowa State. Have you ever met Frank? Do you know him at all, or have you ever met him, talked to him? Oh, I don't think I have. <laughs> I'd love to see what he's like in person versus like his intensity on the sidelines as a coach. Cause he looks like he eats rocks for breakfast. He probably does. It <laughs> makes his players eat rocks too. Good night. His teams always show up physical, intense. Um, I, you know, they're 14 and four, they're second, in the big 12. And uh, right now, so an Iowa state is seventh in the big 12, but it's early, you know, wins and losses this time of the year, swing things big time in conference play. Um, but Taman Lipsy for Iowa State, still a game-time decision, has a sore shoulder. And it's another one of those things where I'm like, they're in Hilton. Iowa State, by the way, 11-0 right now at Hilton Coliseum. I'm wondering if what TJ's mindset is, like if it's questionable, do we let Taman rest more so we can have him for Kansas over the weekend or um, if he should play? I do think Iowa State has enough talent and their defense and their – newly improved offensive um you know team this year where they could probably win without him and maybe give him a little more rest but it's a big one for iowa state tomorrow against kansas state well they they showed how they're going to play without lipsy so i don't think the, the worries are kind of out the door because they've they've already proved that they can play without him yeah on the um, road yeah on the road it's just a matter of fact of if they're going to keep up what what they need to do without him and he's he's their He's their guy. He's their guy that makes the team go around right now. Yep. And he should be because he's their point guard. But, you know, there's guys that came in and, you know, stepped up. You know, Omaha was a, you know, he, he's starting to get um, some minutes last game. And um, obviously there's a lot of talk around him coming in that he was going to be, you know, a all all Big 12 type player. But um, I think I think they've shown what they're capable of doing without Lipsy. So the, kind of the talk – there's really is no talk needed who's going to show up because they've already done it. And like, like, like we've already talked about a coach like TJ, you know, they're going to, he's going to have their players ready. No matter what, even if they're down a player, he's going to say next man up. You know, yeah. So it doesn't matter who we lost it matters who he's got, who we have. Um, and I, I know anytime you have a good coach like TJ is it's, they're going to have everyone. They should have everyone's attention on their schedule. Right. Yeah. Iowa state. It's kind of crazy. Um, you know, Ken Palm is something I always follow uh, in basketball. And like since the beginning of Ken Palm, 
I think this is, I don't want to say 100% sure, but I think it's been since the beginning he started it, the only teams that have ever won a national championship have been top 40 in both offensive and defensive rating nationally. And Iowa State currently is third defensively nationally and 29th offensively, which is crazy to think about under TJ Otzelberger. Like, used to be like they'll grind out a 61-58 win. Well, now they're averaging a little over 80 a game. They've got some offense to go along with that defense. And that's why I do think Iowa State, you know, it doesn't pain me to say it. I guess I'd be happy for them, but I do think they can make a Final Four run. They've got a good squad. I mean, they got all the pieces for sure. Um, Yeah. It's funny, like, looking at – I feel like just the how the seasons have gone about – towards postseason i'm at, obviously you see you know great defensive teams make deep runs and then see yep. a tournament because they're able to play defense and stop the powerhouse offenses that are out there in the country but i think what you're seeing with a lot of coaches that have been so dominant and focused on defense they're weaning they're weaning to, or uh, they're going towards i think more offense schemes just because of who's winning the ncaa tournament i feel like yeah you're seeing sure. teams that are are winning ncaa tournament that are they're don't get me wrong, great defensive teams, and that's still probably their top priority. But they're more going towards you know running a lot of different sets and making you know up, more up tempo, you know getting the game more sporadic. I think a lot of different coaching styles is changing just because how the game has changed postseason wise. Yeah, right on. Um, I don't want to touch too much on the national stuff that I've written down because um, I want to get to the NIL things we're going to talk about, but. Part of the thing I had written down was I don't understand, and this I'm just pairing this with Iowa State hosting Kansas Saturday. Kansas is a very hard team for me to figure out this year. They go on the road, and they it seems like they either lose a close one or they win by two. And even at home in fog, they're winning by like four to eight points. And I know it's not like a slouch because they're conference games, but I'm used to Kansas you know, winning by 10 to 15 at home and having it not be close at the end. And like last night, <laughs> they host Cincinnati in a conference game, by the way. Cincinnati so at Kansas, weird. Big 12 conference game. And they win by four, I think, or five or something like that. And it's just, I can't figure them out because they're so talented. Hunter is obviously awesome at basketball. McCuller. And they're a tough one for me to figure out this year. So I do I do think Iowa State is going to defend their home court on Saturday. In a that place is going to be bonkers bringing Kansas into town. Um but yeah, Kansas is that they're a they're a hard team for me to put my finger on. I think it's just funny reading, just looking at the schedule right now. Um, I pulled up Kansas schedule <laughs> because I wanted to talk about this. I was hoping you'd mention this. Yeah, um, about the Iowa State game because obviously they go to Iowa State, um, and I'm just gonna read. I'm gonna skip a, over a, just a couple games. Sure, this is their last eight games in the Big Twelve right here. <laughs> okay, this is gonna this is just insane to me. They go, um, let's see here. They play number four Houston on Saturday, February 3rd. Um, Then they play K-State. But then they they play Baylor on the 10th, who's number 15. Then they play Texas Tech, who's number 20. And then they play Oklahoma, who's number 11. And they play Texas. And they play number 21 BYU. And then they play (laughs) Baylor, number 15. And they play Kansas State again. And then the last game they played number four Houston, their last season in the Big Twelve. Good That's God, insane! That is insane. 
they are going to be beat up going into the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament because that is a lot of physicality also. Even though just the raw, I didn't, I didn't factor in the home and away games too. I mean, that's that schedule is insane. That has to be one of the Ooh. worst schedules I've ever seen in the last eight games. <laughs> uh, we got to get Hunter on here and talk to him about it. Ask him how he's feeling. Oh, I would. He's probably you know going to be on a wheelchair after that last conference game. <laughs> Man, oh boy. Well, the Big Twelve, it is a gauntlet. The Big Twelve is so fun to watch. The Big East continues to just be. Complete insanity. Every game is bonkers. Doesn't matter who's playing. Creighton wins a triple overtime game over the weekend. Marquette holds on in a squeaker. It's just, gosh, I love the Big East, the Big 12 so much. And I love watching the Big 10. But the as a college basketball fan, the Big East and the Big 12 are freaking awesome to watch this year. So good luck to Kansas in that last home stretch. Um, Godspeed to you. Hope you got a cold tub. <laughs> They're going to need multiple cold tubs. I'm telling you right now. Oh, before we hop into the NIL stuff quick. By the way, eight out of their last nine or eight in a row and nine out of their last ten. Don't look now, but here come the U and I Panthers, baby. They are on fire. Every time I watch a game, I'm thinking of Matt Bohannon, and I'm just thinking, God, I hope he's watching this too and loving it as much mm-hmm. as I am. You and I Panthers, uh, like like Wisconsin Badgers, they have a little special place in my heart. Don't get me wrong. Yep, I, I always a little team. I always wish the best for them. Yes, sir. So hopefully they can keep it rolling tomorrow night. They host Evansville looking for them to protect the McLeod. Um, I have a buddy from college who's a season ticket holder. I must say it is kind of sad to see the home attendance compared to when I went there, but winning cures all slowly, but surely they'll come back. I don't like, I've never really had a problem with the, the Panther fan base. Whenever, I mean, just like with any fan base, you lose, you don't get fans. If you, I feel like you and I is a little different though for some reason. I don't know. They yeah. they they'll show out when their team goes on runs. Oh like, yeah, big time. Yeah, they'll come out. I think they'll start coming out and packing McLeod now that what, what they're doing right now. I feel yes, like sure. Um, there's a lot of people out there that probably think I'm a jerk, but I do have a sensitive spot in my heart to try to be nice to people. One of the most awful things I've ever witnessed was when I went to you and I and the Horner and Bruner and Haluska Hawkeye team came and played in the dome. And we, the student section was right beside the Iowa family section. The UNI students were poor Greg Bruner's sister. They were awful to her to the point where she started crying and then they had to go sit somewhere else. And I was like, I'm like one person like telling them to shut up. Obviously a thousand students aren't going to listen to me, but man alive, did I feel bad for her? So you and I, you and I can be at times a little rude, maybe. <laughs> I have my things. thoughts. I have my thoughts on people saying stuff to family <laughs> sections, but oh I'll yeah, keep, you know, I'll, I'll keep it PG today. That'll be for making memes after dark. Yeah, <laughs> way right. after dark. Yeah. All right, let's get into this, and then if there's time, we'll finish with Caden Proctor stuff. If not, no rush. We'll do it next time. Scott Doctorman posted an article talking about the once powerhouse Iowa program compared to other ones now. People. Probably took a lot of stuff completely out of context there. Um, and then there's also a lot of NIL talk happening on social media that I saw people were coming after you a little bit. Some support, some bad. Uh, you're used to both. So I would like, and I know you would like to touch on that article and talk about NIL. You you know, were at the forefront when you played of trying to get pay, uh, players paid and everything. So um, this is your platform, buddy. Take it away. 
Yeah, I, I, I personally didn't have a, a huge problem with the article he wrote. I thought it was, I mean, Scott's, Scott's a vet. He knows, you know, how to use his words mm-hmm. and he uses his words really well. The only thing I'll say is I think the reaction to receive from a lot of the fan base shows how irrational people can be at times, which <laughs> surprise, surprise, people being irrational in a college sports, being a college sports fan. How, mm-hmm. how crazy is that? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But I got strays for whatever God knows what, because I stood up for players to get paid. Mm-hmm. Now, I've said this from the beginning, and anyone that's always listened to me, Adam, I've held my ground and I have not changed up. I said from the beginning, fans should not be responsible for getting players to right. school. I'll say right. it again for people that aren't listening. Fans are should not be responsible for players to get to a school. Why is that important? Because NIL was meant as an endorsement, as for businesses, just like Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark's a prime example of what NIL should look like. And there's a reason why, I mean, I don't think people know this, but when we were fighting for NIL, Caitlin Clark was on a lot of meetings. I, I called her and we had a great conversation. It was like, hey, we're meeting with these U.S. senators. We're meeting with these state senators. Would you like to be on the call? She was all ears because she knew what a head was going to lay for her for a chance to make a lot of money. That's yeah. how NIL was set up to be. Yep. But for whatever reason, and I, I'm going to tie this all back in with Aya for in a second. Mm-hmm. But why I why I'm saying that is because now the money has shifted to who the fans. Yep. The fans are responsible to getting people like Kate Proctor, getting people like Kate McNamara, to getting transfers into their schools through NIL collectives. Yep. I understand the reason why NIL collectives became a thing, but that is not what NIL intended to be. NIL was intended to be based off businesses endorsing athletes and vice versa too. So from looking, because <clears throat> I, I, I spoke on a lot of this with the U.S. Senators, with NCA President Mark Emmer at the time, I told them on the meeting, I was like, if you guys aren't going to do anything, this is what's going to look like. And what is that? What was I alluding to? That the fans were going to be falling on the grenade for them to take care of the athletes. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. The athletes should be taken care of because they are producing the revenue for these revenue producing sports. But however, the NCA and the schools not doing anything, Adam, that has caused the fans to have the burden now. And in my opinion, that's the most criminal thing ever because why? Mm-hmm. The fans are the reason why there's revenue being produced. Yeah. And in turn, they have to produce more revenue for these schools and the schools aren't even going to give it to the players. Yep. So I don't I don't understand why. I mean, I do get it because people don't like when players stand up for something. And I, I mean, I for me, I got called selfish so many times. Like I didn't even benefit off NIL. OK, yeah, I made pennies compared to what these players are making now. I didn't yep. benefit at all. And I knew that going in. Mm-hmm. But tying it back to Iowa. You know, I, I there's a lot of replies talking about how NIL has ruined, you know, men's basketball, has ruined all these sports across the country. First of all, I don't see that being the case because viewership across the board is up drastically for all these schools and sports in general yeah. on TV. So I don't see that being a problem. But I don't know. Fran has done everything. So this is how I'm tying back into Iowa here. Sure. Fran has done everything he can to adjust to the NIL world. 
anyone that doesn't see that is blind. He has done mm-hmm. everything possible for Iowa to do what they needs to do. Why did it take so long at Iowa? Blows my mind still that the fact we could have been ahead of the curve more than any other school in the country because administration knew what I was doing at the time. Administration knew Caitlin was on meetings with me. Administration knew we were talking with other college athletes at the time. NIL Collective, they want to go that route and them being behind because of that, that could have been way ahead of any other school out there. Hmm. But they took their time. I, I get it. They took their time. They made sure everything was legal. I still don't necessarily think NIL Collective should be legal because of who the burdens fall on is the fans and the boosters. Yeah. Um, but this is all because of the in how how inaccurately and how slowly the NCA has perform to do something about the era of right now um but and lastly i'll say mm-hmm. but for fans to tie it into nil being the reason why men no one is showing up to men's basketball games that's just asinine i mean i, I can't even believe that's even a conversation to have because you look at the players that fran has had the last few years and people arguing it's not been a powerhouse i mean what sport are you watching that you don't think Iowa was not a powerhouse the last four to five years. Yes, we didn't make a run in the Big Ten tournament or in the NCAA tournament. But you look at the players Fran had. Joe Wieskamp, Luca, Keegan, Chris, Tyler Cook. You mm-hmm. go down the line of guys that were all Big Ten, all Americans. Peter Jock, mm-hmm. Matt Gaines. I mean, guys that were generational athletes that Fran continually get in to develop and to make a extraordinary culture i mean i think that's the main thing that look across the country of players that are in trouble or coaches are in trouble and people are doing the wrong thing people are paying players illegally people are you know transferring schools year after year because they don't like the coaches or the program that doesn't happen at iowa i think we've been i think we've been ungrateful for a lot of things that have Fran has done for the program because he's brought in players that are very high character guys. They yeah. love the community. They're, they're Iowa people that have grown up in Iowa. They love their fan bases. They go to yeah. the children's hospital, hang out with the kids there. They do all these things behind the scenes that I think is overlooked by a lot of people just because they've been used to it for all the years. <clears throat> Same thing with Kirk, parents at I, with the football team. They've just yeah. done things the right way for so many years that it's been almost – I hate, like I said, I hate to use the word ungrateful because I think I don't want to ever, you know, bash the fan base because the fan base is so great at Iowa. But I just think we, even the players from perspective, a lot has just been overlooked through the years for people to think it's the normalcy now around college sports. And I can tell you what firsthand going behind the scenes, there's a lot of bad people out there in the college sports world. Mm-hmm. And I know people want success. But, you know, Iowa has had extraordinary success in Iowa basketball and Iowa football. So I just think there's a there's a lot of things to be grateful for. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there's there's obviously there's always going to be criticism. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. I, I just very I'm really appreciative of where Fran has taken in, in, in conclusion. I'm really appreciative of how Fran has taken this program to where it's at. You know, just look what he's done in the community. Look what he's done to the program, who he inherited what the job was when he got here it was a really really bad job it's still a yep. really bad job based off other big 10 schools yep um so you know i i tried to tie everything in there i know i ran at him but i just i, I had did. a lot to get off my chest off that whole 
you know, I, I, re- I just read a lot of replies from people. I know a lot of them were Iowa fans. There's a lot of great Iowa fans out there. Yep. Um, there's just some that are, I just, it's just hard. It blows my mind that people even think a certain way towards Fran or towards Iowa basketball program. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great insight. Um, yeah, I've self-admittedly used to be one of those people who probably whined too much and wanted to be Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, Final 4s. But as you and I have built a friendship and as I've talked to more people and like seen like articles written, like it is – people have to realize this isn't the South with football or it isn't the West Coast with football. you know. And you have these little pockets here and there in the Midwest, like Ohio State obviously in Michigan – with the right coaches are always going to be awesome. They're Midwest schools, but their brands are massive from years and years and years ago. It is like you've said, it's so hard to win and be successful here in Iowa. And we have coaches that have built amazing cultures. So people for the most part want to stick around. Obviously some guys transfer and aren't happy, but um, sometimes it's addition by subtraction. And uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm thankful for who we have. I obviously used to be a little rough around the edges on Fran. I've totally kind of not 180, but because I wasn't like terrible, terrible, but I've definitely come around to see like how good he is and the benefits and how much we've won over the years. And you know what? Jim Harbaugh, it took him nine years to win a title. You know, it's take, you know, maybe, maybe Fran's got a three, four year stretch in here coming up where all of a sudden Hawks like make a run or something and go deep. But, it is fun to consistently watch winning basketball for the most part versus going into every game thinking we're going to lose. At least, you know, going into every game, you got a shot now. Yeah. And to add to that, I know we mentioned this, I think it was two weeks ago when he brought, when he tied the big 10 wins at Iowa. Yep. I just, the reason why I'm so assertive of what I'm saying right now, Adam is because a lot of it is just falling in the same line as Tom Davis right now. Like they, people are wanting Fran out after everything he's done for this team and program and state. And from my opinion, I get it. I get why people are upset. Don't, I don't want people to twist my words saying, Oh, Jordan doesn't want to win. Jordan doesn't want to win titles. No, I, that's what the, the expectation should be. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, being more realistic here, or where I was at on the map what the school's like, what the job's like, where the program's at. Overall, what the Iowa sports have done is extraordinary given the fact what is, one, the school is as a whole, and two, you know, who the coaches are being brought in. We're not bringing in Hall of Fame coaches. We're bringing in great guys. Like, Fran has every right, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame discussion too at Iowa, but um, I just I, I'm seeing a, a a direction that people are going where we're pushing out a guy that has done so much for this program, and I'm not saying the whole fan base is like that. I'm just saying there's a little bit of people where I'm always going to stick up with our coach. I'm always going to stick up for the program. Um, so I, I just I, I hated reading some of the replies to that article just because of I don't know. There's just a different attitude going on around the Iowa basketball program right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and I like to see. Um what's cool about like social media and podcasting and stuff now is I, uh, it's a made fans and people who reply, like they feel like they have more freedom now to get a little chippy and say stuff. But what's been fun to watch for me personally, I love to see like Chad and Scott and, and like Chris Williams on the other side. Um, 
some of these guys that we work with here at IO everywhere <laughs> starting to fight back a little on social media. Like, you know what? I sit here and take freaking jabs all day long from you guys when I'm just trying to do my job and report like honestly and professionally. And now to see them kind of like throw some stuff back at them on Twitter has been fun to watch. Cause you know, what? if people are going to be jerks, you know, dish it out, you better be able to take it back. I do think these reporters, some of them should be, shouldn't have to be held to the, you better be a professional and just shut your mouth standard. Now should be able to throw back a little. And I've been, I've liked watching that. That's been fun. Yeah. I mean, I, God bless the reporters and journalists heart. I mean, I'll never be a reporter journalist just because I've seen an athlete perspective of people replying to you nonstop, but yep. um, yeah, it's just a weird, it's a weird time, dude, with this whole social media thing. And <laughs> I know it's, it was like that still without social media, I'm sure. You know, back then in newspapers, even people just read. High. I mean, th- that's what bugs the shit out of me. People just read headlines, dude, and they just don't even. Yep. They don't even read an article. They don't even, you know, understand or watch a game. Dude, I, I've met so many fans that across the sports world that just don't even watch games. They just they just see the stats and then they just pick and choose like opinion based off that. Yeah, I'm like you, you didn't even watch the game. Like, <laughs> you didn't even play the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk Caden Proctor and some other stuff next time because I feel like that was necessary and good to to talk about. I've even got some follow up questions that would take us way over the time limit. So I'll maybe ask you those down the road because you got the perspective on it. Well, you know, I'm all I'm all talk when it comes to NIL just because. I I advocated so hard for these athletes to have yep. what they have. And I'm not the one again, I'm not the only one that was advocating. It wasn't just me, but they deserve you have to be it, it, I mean, it's ludicrous to think people out there, right, Adam, are thinking players should not be given anything money wise. Mm-hmm. Like the one of the most powerful industries in the whole entire country. This college sports landscape, the NCA, which is a monopoly, is controlling so much of these athletes' lives mm-hmm. that they're not allowed to make money off themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, Jordan Bohannon, future NCAA commissioner, if they finally have one. No, it's not. I'm not <laughs> cut out for the job. I would say something in the media, and it would just people would <laughs> twist my words, and I'd be fired. <laughs> All right. Well. We've mentioned that we are in the Channel Seed Studios. Appreciate Channel Seed and their support of Iowa everywhere. Uh, Terraplex Ag, thank you for what you do for us. Hope uh, people enjoyed that awesome 20-minute ag ag segment we had at the beginning. And also want to mention um, the Iowa Event Center. Also a great pond. Jeez, I can't talk today, buddy. I was <laughs> well, I just say, talked for the last hour. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say sponsor and partner mixed together, and I went to say ponsor. Um, they are Iowa uh, Event Center. We love them, the support they give us. Great shows and entertainment. And here's an opportunity for you guys coming up. Uh, win a pair of tickets to see Kane Brown, I believe, on when is Kane Brown? It's in April at some point. April 15th. There it is. You can win tickets to see Kane Brown. Um, we'll also give you a $50 gift card for dinner ahead of his April show. April April 18th. Here we oh, go. Oh, 18th. Sorry. April 18th show. Um, just so if you email win at iowaeverywhere.com and tell us why you are thankful for your partner in your life, 
Um, we will pick 11 winners and they'll be selected across the Iowa Everywhere podcast network on each show starting on Monday, January 29th with two guys named Chris. And we'll keep uh, naming winners after that. Exciting. So think about why you love your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or fiance and email us and tell us why you should go to the show and we'll pick if you're worthy. That's exciting. And if you are one of the winners, reach out to me. I love nothing more than talking food. And I've been to so many amazing places in Des Moines. I will pick the perfect spot. I already have two spots in mind, but I'm going to save those for the winners. There's a lot of great places to eat in Des Moines. Mm, a lot there of sure places. is. So, all right. So do that. Check it out. We will pick winners. Um, this has been a fun episode. So much to talk about. Caden Procton. Caden Proctor. There I go again. Good Lord. I need to quit. Uh, we we are so thankful that you came back, and I can't wait to tell you guys on the next episode why I think, and I'm going to lay it out there in a nerdy lineman way, why Iowa's O-line is going to be one of the best in the Big Ten next year. I know a lot of you might think I'm crazy, but hear me out and then decide. All right. Like we it. made mems. Um, we educated you on bovine reproduction and how that all works. And I can't wait to get you out there on the farm to help pull a calf someday. Let me get my boots out, my blue jeans. Yep. And I want to, and I want to see you go shoulder deep in a cow's butt. I don't know about that. (laughs) I'm going to draw the line right there. (laughs) All right. We'll see you all next time. Iowa everywhere.